Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Doing an all-cash deal, number one, puts you in a much better place from a negotiating perspective. And, uh, and, and two, a lot of the more sophisticated investors... They just don't want to take leverage on this type of investment. Best ever listeners, I want to mention Lima One Capital, and I found out about them through a guest that I was interviewing on the show, and he mentioned how he was scaling his business. He was actually buying 10 single-family homes within one year, and I asked him, how were you able to buy 10 single-family homes, and how were you financing that? And he's like, oh, well, I just use an asset-based lender. I was like, who is that? And he told me it's Lima One Capital. I reached out to them afterwards, got to know them, and they are the sponsor of today's episode because they've got some unique lending programs. Uh, one of them is called Rental 30, where, as I mentioned, they're an asset-based lender. So they're lending based on the property's appraised value, as well as they look at the down payment that you're bringing to the table and the cash reserves. Uh, they'll lend up to 75% loan to value. And this is huge. This is huge because typically as a single family investor, uh, your lending strength is based on your personal income as well as how many properties you have, how many loans you have out. There's no restrictions on portfolio size with their Rental 30 program. Go to lima1capital.com forward slash best ever. Sign up, learn more about the program. That's lima1capital.com forward slash best ever. They also have a program for fix and flippers. Even if you haven't done a fix and flip, they'll still lend to you. They've been in the business uh, since 2010. So they've been around the block. They know their underwriting guidelines. They're not loosey-goosey, but they do have a very specific uh, criteria um, that helps beginning fix and flippers get their fix and flip projects done as well as experienced fix and flippers they reward you as an experienced fix fix and flipper and you actually get a lower interest rate and lower origination fee again go to lima1capital.com forward slash best ever and some legal stuff i have to say it is lima one capital llc and the NMLS ID number is 1324403. And their address is 201 East McBee Avenue, Suite 300, Greenville, South Carolina, 29601. Again, lima1capital.com forward slash best ever. 
if you're looking for a fix and flip loan or if you're looking for a buy and hold investment property and you're trying to finance it and you want it to be asset based lima1capital.com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners. Hello. Hello. How you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is a show where we cut out the fluffy stuff and we only talk about the real estate advice that moves your business forward. We've spoken to Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank, Robert Kiyosaki, the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Jay Papazon, the co-author of The One Thing and The Millionaire Real Estate Agent, and many other best ever guests. Uh, in fact, that last one I mentioned, Jay Papazon, I think has a tie to today's best ever guest. How you doing, Russ Putterman? I am great. How are you? I am doing very well, my friend. And the connection that I was alluding to is that Russ is currently... Uh, he started Focus Real Estate in 2010, and it merged with Keller Williams, where Jay Papazon is and Gary Keller. Um, in 2014, he's based in New York City, New York. He's from Long Island. He previously uh, started as a started his career as a tax consultant and senior auditor, and now he is a real estate investor. He's been doing that in addition to residential real estate agent, and he has about 20 properties that he started investing in 2008. You can say hi to him at focusreg.com. With that being said, Russ, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Sure. And uh, Joe, thanks again. And best ever listeners, I look forward to getting to know you all better. So I started my real estate career back in 2004 on the, on the, uh, on the accounting side, and I moved into the brokerage and development investing side gradually over time. Most recently, I am working with uh, Keller Williams, as Joe mentioned, as a real estate agent. I'm advising investors all the time on buying property here in New York City, as well as on Long Island in New York. And uh, I invest in residential real estate myself, as well as some land acquisition in Manhattan. I want to focus on the investment and the land acquisition. What type of land acquisition are you doing? We actually purchased uh, development rights. So uh, in New York City, development right acquisition is a very hot thing. It's become, you know, as everyone knows, a very expensive endeavor to get involved with. And the goal is uh, to purchase it right and ultimately either develop or, you know, sell into the market as it rises. Mm. Where are you seeing good opportunities to buy development rights? To be honest with you, right now in Manhattan, it's uh, it's become a bit of a challenge. The market's you know gotten very very heated, and uh, in order to do it, you really really need to to buy it right. So from an opportunity perspective, we're looking at the outer boroughs, um, Brooklyn, the Bronx. Right now is has become very interesting. You just really need to really need to look at the land and make sure that that your numbers numbers pencil. Okay, let's talk about the the penciling of the numbers. How do you evaluate an opportunity first we'll you know we'll, we'll really look at where where it is and what, what the market will call for uh, principally we'll look to residential development sites the most or the most interesting um, and one of the biggest things that that we try to focus on is that there's an exit strategy so condominium development is risky though it is uh, it is a good in and out of the business and if there's no backup on the the residential rental side of things, it's 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 very difficult to go in. There's a lot of risk involved there. So that's one of the biggest things that we'll focus on. Okay. Can you elaborate on backup options and what would be good backup options and just give a specific example? If you're underwriting a deal and it pencils out great at uh, you know at a three thousand per square foot sellout, but you can't make it work at a seventy five dollar per square foot rental, 
you know, your only option is to, you know, is to sell condos. And that, that's a, a very risky proposition in today's marketplace. Okay. Backtracking a little bit. What are some of the, and we're, and we're talking about a, a residential site. What are, what are the important pieces of information that you need to have in order to pencil that out? First and foremost, uh, you want to know what land is you know, trading for in that market. And you want to see what the, the market is calling for for your end product. So if you're selling condominiums, know what your competition is. Know how much inventory is in the, on the market. Same on the rental side. Know, you know how much per square foot you could expect to get for a particular size of an apartment, whether it be a studio, a one-bedroom, a two-bedroom, etc., and you know, really know what what your competition is. You know, what's what shadow inventory is on the market today. What's the market calling for? These are all items that you really want to have sort of in your holster. Okay, with the investments, the pre-existing, you know, the the structure investments the, that you have. What type of investment properties do you own? Mostly residential condominium units. So these are units that you know that we purchase, and then. Uh, you know, there's very little deferred maintenance, and it's a small yield play. Ultimately, with you know Manhattan's appreciation, we've we've done very well. And by we, who are you referring to? So myself and partners. You know, we have capital partners, et cetera, that we go into business with, depending upon the the type of acquisition. And uh, as long as the investment profile works, it's uh, it's a win win. Okay, so can you talk about just any of them, any of the deals that you've done, and talk about specifics as far as how you structured it? Sure. There's a lot of foreign investment that comes into into our market. So one example is we partnered with an international investor that's looking to diversify into New York City. So we'll all put some, you know, some equity into a purchase, and you know, we'll we'll hold that. We'll distribute you know, income yearly as it, as it makes sense to do so. And then ultimately when we retrade the unit, we'll, we'll just either distribute the funds or do a 1031 exchange into another condominium if it, if it makes sense to do so. And, you know, it's within the investor's profile. Okay. Conceptually, that makes sense. Um, now specifically with those numbers, like, can you give an example, like how much was the purchase price? How much equity did you put in? Who brought in what just to help crystallize this? Yeah, no worries. So, Let's say there was a there's an apartment that we purchased that was a million and a half dollars. And is this a specific example that you've done? Yes. Okay. So we purchased a, an apartment for a million and a half dollars. We each put in about ten percent of uh, of the equity, meaning myself and another operating partner. We raised the rest of the capital through an outside investor, and then you know over over the years, the capital investor keeps the income you know that is coming in on the unit, and then once we sell it, you know they get a preferred return back. And then we split the profits, uh, you know, on a waterfall basis thereafter. Okay, that makes sense. For investing ten percent of the equity, how much percent ownership do you get? It's a little tricky, but it comes out to be approximately fifteen percent. Okay, got it. And and uh, is it tricky because of the the waterfall structure? Or? Right, the the waterfall structure, and we'll we'll also work it in so they get some preferential treatment with regard to you know the brokerage side, et cetera. So it it, it works out approximately to to fifteen percent. Okay, and what's your role in that? I mean, you're putting in ten percent, you're getting approximately fifteen. So there's a five percent spread. Um, I've heard much more. I've heard. Uh, a little, well, about that less. I mean, that that's pr- pretty much the minimum that I've heard on the general partnership side. So what what are your responsibilities? 
we'll find the deals. We'll asset manage the, the deal itself, make sure there's a tenant in place. It's properly being managed. And then ultimately that the, uh, that the unit is disposed of. So you're, and as an agent, you're, are you, you're also getting the acquisition and the disposition fees. Is that correct? It just, dep- it depends on the deal, frankly. Um, you know, in the investor profile, typically, yes. So the incentive for you to do this is from a monetary standpoint, you get the 5% ownership for doing the legwork. And then the, you've got a uh, sale and uh, a purchase and a sale on the front and back end. Right. And a lease. And the lease. But uh, I, I, unless I wrote this down wrong, I, I thought you said the capital investor keeps the income from the unit over the hold period. Correct. I meant, I meant the, the leasing brokerage. Ah, okay, okay. Uh, the leasing broke, so there's also a, a tenant that there's you know a, a fee for getting the tenant in there, right? Correct. Got it. Okay, I'm with you. So, with with that structure, how, how, when was the first time you did that structure? Um, that the first time was in 2012. And what was the reason why? I really wanted to get, you know, I had done investing. I'd worked for a developer in the past and, you know, wanted to get back in the game and, and doing more and more investing and, you know, being an expert in the residential real estate market in New York City, what better way than to, you know, work with clients that wanted to also be your partner and, you know, it's a win-win if everybody has done business before and, and likes each other and wants to do it. And it's sort of an entree into doing bigger and better things and, you know, you have to start somewhere with it, and we started there with it, and it grew a bit, and now you know we have a number of units that, that we're working with uh, you know, along these lines, and it's good business, right? It keeps activity going, and the hope is that it leads to you know, future types of investment deals in the future. Mm-hmm. Has it already? It has. You know, it, it's, it's led to, to new introductions that would have never been there if we didn't start you know, a relationship like this where an investor has a lot of faith in you, you know, and a lot of these investors are high net worth people that know other high net worth people and, you know, introductions in this business are, you know, extremely important. So that's been great. And, uh, I don't think I would have traded the way we did it because I don't know we would have been in the place that we are today and having so many units that we're working with in the long-term relationship, you know, is much more important to me than a short-term gain. Agreed. Me too. With the deal that you uh, walked us through on the example, the $1.5 million purchase price, how much in total equity uh, was put into the property? $1.5 million. Oh, that was the equity. So so did you pay cash or was the apartment, was that one point five the down payment? We, 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 pay, we paid cash. That was the purchase price for the apartment. With these you know foreign investment deals, it's very difficult to get beneficial leverage on the deal itself. Okay. So doing an all cash deal, number one, puts you in a much better place from a negotiating perspective, and uh, and and two, a lot of the more sophisticated investors they just don't want to take leverage on this type of investment. Mm-hmm. So you and your partner brought one hundred and fifty thousand, and then the foreign investor brought one point three five million. Correct. Okay. You mentioned that it was a an international investor. How did you come across them? Through mutual attorney, actually. And is that a, that's a real estate attorney? Yes. Okay. And how many of these deals, this this type of structure, have you done? Approximately twenty. Approximately twenty. And uh, if you look at the limited partners, 
that you have in these deals, like this uh, international investor, how many of them are international versus uh, domestic? They're all international. They're all international. Wow. Yes. Okay. Uh, so I'm glad that I asked que that question. How have you become uh, introduced to the, all the international in in investors? You know, I I have an amazing partner, and we do. Uh, we do a lot of work together, and he's uh, he's an international specialist, and we've just been able to procure more and more business based upon the track record we started building, and um, you know, and you know, kind of where the future is going with our business. So it's it's really been a a win 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 situation. How's your partner have the relationships? Part of it's organic. You know, he he is an attorney by trade and done a lot of work in the past. With you know high net worth individuals, we we met, um, we actually met back in two thousand eight, and we're representing a lot of investors just as uh, as third party investors and doing a lot of this you know for them. And then you know over time, like I said, you start to build relationships. So once they saw and trusted him, and then saw and trusted me, you know, in New York City, we were able to you know forge forward. What country or countries do they tend to be from? Um, there are a lot of different opportunities with this for us. You know, we've had a lot of investors uh, in Israel. Uh, we've had some out of Brazil. We've had them uh, in Italy. So we're continuing to, to to build upon it. With your the structure that you have with your business partner from a high level, who's responsible for what? So I would say you know he's responsible for for touching the investor in their respective country, and I'm responsible for the real estate related work in New York. Okay, and is it a fifty fifty split? Yes. How do you structure that from a legal standpoint? Which aspect? The partnership you have with your business partner. P and I are partners in a U.S. based LLC. Then that U.S.-based LLC in, is a member of the U.S.-based LLC that owns the real estate. So uh -huh. each piece of real estate is you know wholly owned by its own entity. And then the limited partners come in however they like. Um, you know we we strongly recommend that they also use a U.S.-based LLC for any you know FERPTA issues with which, quite frankly, I'm not all that familiar with. However. Um, you know, I've been advised by people who are very familiar with <laughs> that they should uh, they should use a U.S. based LLC. Cool. Yeah, that, that's that's really interesting stuff. I'm glad we went in this direction. Russ, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? Buy it right. And do your homework. When have you bought it wrong and not done your homework? <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a really good question. It wasn't as an investor, actually. I, I saw something happen, uh, you know, as an agent, just where a, cl a client of mine, um, against my advice, you know, purchased something that they were overextending themselves on. And unfortunately, you know, the crisis in 2008-9, wherever you were, it affected you and, you know, they lost all their equity. What's one thing that you do to make sure that you're buying it right? A lot of the stuff that we talked about in the beginning of the call, um, I'll make sure that I'm, I'm really looking at my comps. You know, real estate isn't rocket science, right? So it's uh, it's about knowing knowing the local neighborhood. If you don't know it, you know, get somebody who who really does to to be on your side. Hire the right consultants. You know, do your diligence and know the comps. I mean, that there's so much 
there's so much that's that's going going on in any given market that knowing what things are trading for both on your acquisition and ultimately what your end product is going to be is you know extremely extremely important so best ever listeners out there you know do, do your homework do your diligence make sure you're buying it right know your comps i want to ask one follow-up question uh, on something you mentioned earlier and then we're going to go into lightning round you said in manhattan it's a challenge to you get the find the right uh, opportunities and you're looking at the outer boroughs in the Bronx. If I were to tell you, I'll give you $1 million and I want this to be invested in the area that will likely have the most appreciation in New York City over the next five years, where would you put that million dollars? It's a great question and I wish I had a crystal ball. I'm going to give you a couple part answer. I know that's not what you're looking for, but um, you know, I really like certain parts of the Bronx and um you know, as you're pushing out further east into Brooklyn, pricing has really gotten crazy, and in, in, uh, especially in Brooklyn and a lot of the the the, the areas closer to Manhattan. So I, I believe it's going to continue to push. And look, the real estate market, uh, you know, cycles like the rest of the economy. So you know, buy it, buy it right. Make sure you have a good rent-paying tenant, and uh, I think you're in a good place. And what's one area of the Bronx that you like? South Bronx around Yankee Stadium. There's just been, you know, so much development going on there. Mott Haven's great. Uh, there's a lot of lot of opportunity in the Bronx in general. Some of that opportunity may be for a different investor type. You know, somebody who may be able to warehouse some space. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and just sort of pay the taxes. You know, over time, knowing that in the future, you know, there can be some some solid appreciation. All right. Well, best ever listeners who are in New York City or out of the country or in a state that uh, where you're interested in investing in New York City, I asked that question for you, by the way. For everybody <laughs> else, I asked those other questions for everybody else who's looking to put together these deals. All right. Let's go, Russ. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. If you want the full real estate investing experience, then work your money with the WYM Group. Uh, The WYM Group is Michelle Wong's company. She was interviewed in episode 512, and their website is T-H-E-W-Y-M-Group.com. Best ever book you've read? Slight Edge. Who wrote that? Do you know? Do you remember? Uh, John Olson. What's it about? It's basically about the compounding effect of doing the simple thing every single day and seeing the result of that simple thing over time. Ooh, yeah, I like it. It's a great book. What's the best ever personal growth experience, and what'd you learn from it? Um, I did Tony Robbins, um, uh, Tony Robbins event a few years ago, and I went in thinking that it was going to be hokey. I actually won <laughs> won the ticket for it, so I decided, you know, people pay real money to go to this. I'm gonna I'm gonna play full on and do it, which I did. And uh, I just learned that if you really open up your mind to uh, to something, you can really accomplish amazing things. Awesome. I went to, did you go to the event in New Jersey last year? Two years ago. Two years ago? Okay. Yeah. I, went to, I went to the one last year. Yes. It's a, it's a special experience. Yes, it is. Best ever deal you've done? I bought and sold uh, a piece of land for 125% more than we paid for it in a year and a half. How much total was that when it was 125%? So we paid somewhere in the nine million range. We put a little bit of money in and sold it for twenty-one and a half. What was your structure when you bought it for nine? Was that similar structure that you were talking about before, where you put in ten percent to get fifteen percent ownership? 
You know what? I, I know I know a little bit less about the structure of that one, to be quite honest with you, was when I was working for, um, you know, for a developer as I was coming up. Um, but I was actively involved and intimately involved in both the acquisition and the disposition. And, you know, it was just a, it was just a great win for the company. Awesome. So you were a salary employee on that one? Exactly. Cool. Best ever way you like to give back? Uh, mentoring and coaching, you know, junior professionals um, is great. You know, I do I do a lot of coaching. I have three coaches myself, and uh, I understand the value of it. I didn't have as, as much of that when I was coming up, and um, you know, I just like to look for young professionals that I see that have talent, and uh, you know, give whatever I can to them to help them be successful. What's the biggest mistake you've made so far in real estate? Um, spending the money before the check was cashed. <laughs> well, can you give us a specific example? Sure. I had a I had a deal that I was working on as an agent. You know, early on in my career, my end of the commission would have been ninety thousand. It was a, it was a, a nice piece of land in uh, in Manhattan, and uh, our purchaser was set to go hard on the contract. They'd put up a soft refundable deposit, and they were set to go hard to a non refundable deposit forty five days after the execution of the contract. I understood what that meant. However, had never <laughs> been down the road before, so I just figured it was. Uh, it was just going to happen. And uh, my boss called me in. And he's like, I have some news. And uh, the news was they decided not to go hard on the contract. And I remember that day being very sad. However, it was the best lesson I could have learned. And I'm very happy it happened that early on in my career. What had you already spent the money on? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, what had I already spent the money on? I, honestly, I, I don't really remember the answer to that question. I'm sure. I'm, <laughs> it must I'm, have I'm, been a fun night for ninety thousand dollars. Exactly. No, no, we're talking. We're talking a long time ago. But I, but I mean, you know, things like um, getting an apartment that I probably shouldn't have been in, which it <laughs> makes up a lot of it in New York City. Yes. Um, just living a different lifestyle. Got it. Well, what's the best place the best ever listeners can reach you, Russ? Uh, best ever listeners can reach me um, on my phone at five one six. 603-2364-516-603-2364. They could find Focus on Facebook, Focus Real Estate Group, and uh, email is great as well. Um, R. Putterman, R. P. as in Peter, U-T-T-E-R-M-A-N, at Focus, R-E-G, like real estate group, dot com. Well, Russ, we covered a lot. I mean, you are a fast-talking, results-oriented kind of guy, and I, re I really like. I mean, you really reinforce like the New York City. Like, we make things happen. We just get, we get straight to the point. We'll tell you the numbers. Let's let's make this happen. Very uh, refreshing and, and candid conversation. Thank you so much for being on the show. Love going through how you structure the deals with the international investors. All of them being international investors. Wow. What a partnership that you have with your business partner. You're providing tremendous value doing the real estate stuff. Your partner's providing different tremendous value, bringing in these investors. And uh, then you know you two are splitting it 50-50. And thanks for going through that sample deal with us. Anything else you want to mention the best ever listeners before we sign off? Um, that's it. Again, I just want to thank you, Joe, for, uh, for making this happen. And best ever listeners, if there's anything that I can, uh, I can do for you, I'm here. All right. Have the best ever day. Talk to you soon. Thanks, bud. If you want the full real estate investing experience, then work your money with the WYM Group. Uh, the WYM Group is Michelle Wong's company. She was interviewed in episode 512, and their website is thewymgroup.com.